Welcome to Hypospadias Conversations with co-hosts Bonnie Steinberg and John Filippelli. We are members of the community that have experienced living with hypospadias, epispadias, the surgeries that are often used to correct for them. And we want to talk to people who are members of that community and their family and friends about many of the feelings and issues that we all have faced. We are not doctors. We do not represent the medical community and we want to be clear that we are discussing our personal experiences, experiences that too often are not shared, leaving many boys, men, and families feeling that they are alone. You are not alone. Our goal is to offer frank conversations about our thoughts, give many people company, give parents who are wondering what to do with their new babies that have been born with hypospadias or epispadias some resources to think about treatment to think about parenting boys with this difference. The conversations are personal, frank, and we hope that you are aware of how vulnerable we feel, how risky it feels to open ourselves up in public. We hope to cultivate your compassion and understanding and create more safety to have these conversations. So it takes a lot to have the confidence to come out and talk about these issues. Where do you want to start, John? I think that it's a very important conversation that we're having here. And I, you know, share your, your feelings about wanting to invite others into the conversation. There are many, many families affected by this condition. And there's so many emotional components on top of the physical that are just underneath the surface that people may not realize, doctors included, and even the, the, the boys and the families themselves may not realize the impact that living with hypospadias may have on their lives, their relationships, their interpersonal dynamics with a variety of people, whether it's family, friends, spouses. You know, where I'd like to start is just basically recognizing that I'm one man, I'm 45 years old and have been living with hypospadias my, my whole life, obviously. And the thing that sticks out to me is that it is such a potentially shame-filled condition for a lot of people. I can't speak the amount of shame someone might feel with another part of their body being affected, but I can speak from personal experience and the struggles that I had growing up that there was a lot of shame. And in my book, from talking to experts and other men, uh, shame is a very big theme that runs through it. And it's not just for the men, it's for the parents. It's potentially for uh, siblings that are aware and see the issues that the young man may have to go through. And hoping that other people are understanding is a really sometimes growing up feels like a, uh, I don't want to say a fool's errand, but you're just, you know, you're having a lot of faith that other people might understand if they were to get wind of your condition. If you disclose it yourself or if it needs to be discussed with a nurse or a doctor, for instance. For a very long time growing up, the only people that really knew that I had hypospadias were my family, of course, and my doctors. And that was it. And it felt very isolating. It was its own little world within the world that we live in. It was my hypospadias world. And most of the time, it was mainly me and my mother was my great source of information and comfort with it. And then as needed, 
with my doctor visits that were pretty pretty common and frequent overall in my in my childhood. Uh, so the thing is, when you're going to the doctor, especially as a young boy, and you're getting examined and and all of these things. Even on your best day, you might get what a lot of people know as like white coat anxiety or white white coat syndrome, just even if you're getting a basic checkup. So for me, it became uh, compounded each time I would go. I was the only person that I was aware of that had this. So how could anybody possibly really know what it felt like to have it? For a very, very long time, that was difficult. It was very difficult and it had a lot of impact on me personally. What was it like participating in sports, which I know was very important to you in the locker room? Sports was a very big thing for me. Uh, back then, I was a lot more active and athletic. And so I was on baseball and basketball and soccer. And I did all those things. And fortunately, hypospadias did not slow me down in that regard. So that was always a, an outlet for me to feel normal because so many other times I didn't feel normal. I felt defective. I felt like there was something really, really wrong with me. And all I had to do was look down and I saw it. I had to go to the bathroom just like anybody else. So I was reminded several times a day or when I took a shower, uh, instead of looking down and feeling good about myself back then, I felt poorly about myself and needed outlets to feel less like that. And sports was a big key part of it. What was it like getting into close relationships? Yes, I met girls and I was interested in girls, of course, um, by high school and such. And that was a great source of uh, consternation for me. And I think that's probably the case for anybody, you know, in high school and hormones and all that. But as I've learned from my book and just from my own experience, that relatively normal situation felt so magnified in my mind uh, because there's so many questions that go into, do I say something to this girl? You know, at, you know, we're talking 17, 18, 19 years old. They probably, you know, people don't, you know, have never heard of, of this. And why is this guy explaining this? What, all these thoughts went through my mind. Do I say something? Do I not say something? If I say something, is she going to reject me? If I don't say something, is she going to be resentful that I didn't say something? If, you know, if the, if the, if the uh, relationship progressed and got, you know, more serious and, and um, physical. So all of these potential hazards of rejection were always there, like these flashing lights. And I was fortunate that by and large, it wasn't, at least outwardly, I was not outwardly rejected by girlfriends. One did when I was in my 20s and I broke up with her. Um, but, you know, by and large, I was relatively uh, accepted. And I went to my pediatric urologist who had treated me and done the surgeries on me when I was younger. And I explained to him why I was there. And I also added that I was starting to experience a lot of anxiety about girls and getting rejected and all of those things. And at the time, I was about 15 years old, maybe 16. And he looked at me and he said, you know, John, if, if a girl rejects you because of your penis, then she's not the right girl for you. And at the time, I understood what he said, but I, it wasn't what I wanted to hear. I just wanted to hear, nobody's ever going to reject you. There's nothing wrong with you. Just leave. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be here. But that, that's, not, that's not what he said. He said, you know, that if, if they reject you for this, then they're not the right girl for you. And he'd set that boundary for me, you know, that I had to keep in mind as I met girls to, to not feel so uh, shame 
shameful about my condition and that if someone was going to reject me for this, the shame was really on them. And I didn't recognize that for a very, very long time. And so I left there and I was angry and upset and emotional and for all the reasons that I just cited, but I didn't know how to express it back then. And it wasn't until I was in my early to mid twenties. And at the time I was with a, uh, a long time girlfriend and she told me that if I didn't get my penis fixed and was able to have kids, she wouldn't marry me. And we had been together for quite some time and that conversation came back to me and I remembered what the doctor said. And here I was getting rejected basically, or being, you know, an ultimatum put to me about this. And I broke up with her and it wasn't easy because at the time I thought I was going to marry her and, but I did. And that I think was the turning point for me emotionally. It didn't do everything overnight. And that one situation didn't change everything. I still felt a lot of emotional turmoil about things going forward. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, we'll talk about this ongoing in our, in our podcasts uh, forthcoming. But I think that ability of me to basically identify that I was born with this condition. I didn't choose it. It, it wasn't meant to be shameful for me. It's if someone's going to be judgmental, if someone's going to be shallow, basically, then the shame is on them. And I'm glad to report I've been married for 16 years. My wife since day one never once questioned or judged or anything and has supported this situation wholeheartedly. So what I'd like to definitely say to those listening that may be feeling similarly to how I did back then, that there is that person for you. If that's, you know, if that's what you're, if that's what you need, if that's what you're looking for to find someone that will accept you, but really from, to learn from my situation that we have to learn to accept ourselves first. John, the advent of the internet and discovering the hypospadias and epispadias community must have created incredible transition for you. It did. It was a turning point in my life. With the advent of the internet, uh, I was really thinking more and more about my hypospadias and where there could possibly be other people that understood this. Because for so long, I felt like the only person on the planet. That's what it seemed like, because how would I ever know that someone else had this? Just like how would really anybody ever know that I had it? Although it consumed so much of my life. So I remember starting to look around on the internet and not sure what I was going to find. Um, and these are back in the days of dial-up, <laughs> if anybody remembers that. Um, so it was a long, long ways from where we are today. And I did searches for hypospadias and urology and all those sorts of things and came across the website for HEA, the Hypospadias Epispadias Association. And just in that moment, I was by myself in my room. It was around 2005, 2006. And... So I was 30 years old at that. And I felt as far as hypospadias was concerned, I felt like I had lived much longer than that. And, but when I saw that, that website initially and saw that they were addressing this very issue and saw pictures of other men together addressing this and there were conferences and there was a dedicated nonprofit association 
I felt like I, I couldn't even tell you. So much relief and a sense of I'm not alone just from just from that. The hosts of this podcast are not medical professionals, and the information presented during the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice. John and Bonnie are peers in the hypospadias community, people who have been affected directly by hypospadias. And we are sharing our experience with you. If you or someone you love has a medical question concerning hypospadias, please consult your physician.